Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. I'm Mark Green from the Cars Yow podcast. And I'm Keith Martin from Sports Car Market. This is show number 29. Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold, the sports car market podcast. Market experts and car friends for over 30 years, Keith Martin and Mark Green have come together through their mutual love for collector cars. Keith and Mark will take you on a ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so that you know when to make your own decisions to buy, sell, or hold. Buy, Sell, Hold is all about the essence of collecting. The collector car world is comprised of wonderful people who buy, they sell, and they hold the cars they love. Here on Buy, Sell, Hold, Keith and I talk with industry leaders, collectors, auction houses, consigners, sellers, and more who are experts in the market. So, Keith, who do we have the pleasure of talking with today? Our guest today, Mark, is Cece Muldoon, who is a classic car judge with an expertise in the Ferrari mark. Now, she and I have never judged together, never been on the judging field together, but we do share one thing. We have both spent years standing in the ballet studio, our right hand on the bar, doing demi-plies and relevés to Chopin to start our day. We both have a background in ballet. That's that's marvelous. That's pretty darn cool. Well, we're going to do a proper introduction in a minute, but Keith, take it away with that infamous first question we always ask our guests. Yes, Cece... If you were to describe the collector car market today using just one word, what would that word be and why did you choose it? Well, am I allowed two words and one adverb? (laughs) We'll we'll see. We'll we'll let you have both words and then we'll decide if we keep them both. How's that? Okay, sounds good. So I would say that the two words I would use would be younger and more connected. And the reason I say um, more connected in the first place is because I think that Although there is obviously always a certain degree of of murkiness when buying a car, trying to sell a car, I think there's a lot more information available to people nowadays. You can go online and at your fingertips, you have a whole wealth of resources that you can tap. And also, I think people are generally more connected on different platforms. So I think now when you want to know something about a car, it's relatively easier than in the past to find out something about it more quickly. And I think that's actually, you know, really healthy for the market. And I think it's younger because I see at least here in England, a surgence of really quite young car dealers, um, you know, people in their early to mid 20s, and they are selling very different cars as well. So the cars are younger too. Whereas before you would have perhaps in the the blue chip cars, you've got something like a 275 GTB and then the dream cars you have an Alpha 8C. Now you see dealers that have a uh, you know, a 360 Modena in the normal cars and then something like um, the Countach in the dream cars. So I see a trend towards younger and I see a trend towards more connected. Well, Keith and I were just talking this morning about how the world has changed so much. And of course, the pandemic has added to that greatly, no doubt. But uh, Keith was mentioning he has a, a son in his early teens and how his life has changed. I'm encouraged by what you were saying that younger people getting involved because that seems to be a major thought concern for so many people that I talk to daily. Will these young people come along? Will they pick up the keys to these cars and carry the stewardship of them forward? So it sounds like you have some confidence there. I think I think there the key is to not just focus on the multi-million pound cars on the show field, but really champion the affordable, fun cars that you can have. And then you can get younger people involved. 
Well, Keith, you're the king of that. Uh, Keith has found <laughs> several cars this year that are fun and affordable and drivable. Just came back from a road trip, right? Yeah, I I, uh, I bought an SL55 for my son and I to take. We took we did two thousand miles uh, in six days, and and it was it's it was a road trip for the ages. Oh, fantastic. That's really lovely to hear. Building memories. Well, let me give Cece a proper introduction here so that uh, our listeners, I can set the stage for the questions we're going to be asking you today, Cece. Cece Muldoon studied physics and finance at Princeton University and holds a PhD in experimental atomic and laser physics from Oxford University. I think she's the smartest person in the room today. She is a full (laughs) member of the International Chief Judge Advisory Group known as ICJAG for whom she acts as PR director and is a steering committee member for the UK-based Concours of Elegance at Hampton Court. Cece has previously judged at some of the best judging concours in the world, including Pebble Beach, Cavallino Classics, Salon Privé, Schloss Dyke, Masterpieces, Hampton Court, Lazut, and the Ferrari 70th Anniversary Concours. She has attended Concours since the age of three years old, that's a lot of experience, has participated in various tours and rallies, and is herself the proud owner of several classic cars. She speaks five languages and is originally from Guadalajara, Mexico. She is also CEO of Veravin. Am I saying that right, Cece? Veravin? Yes, you are. You are. There you go. A UK-based startup that she has developed groundbreaking technology to enable the quick, safe, and non-destructive analysis of wine and other complex liquids in sealed containers. Very fascinating. We'll be back in just a minute to learn more about Cece and her her ideas on buy, sell, hold. But first, a word from our sponsor and Keith's team at Sports Car Market Magazine. So keep your seatbelts on. We'll be right back. Since 1969, Larry's Thunderbird and Mustang Parts has been the source for parts for your 55 to 66 Ford Thunderbird, 64 to 73 Ford Mustang, and 54 to 57 Ford passenger cars. Located right here in the USA, Larry's is also one of the industry's largest in-house upholstery manufacturers, supplying enthusiasts across the globe and many of the world's largest and most prominent parts houses and restorers. Their experienced and knowledgeable sales team will help you get the right parts at the right price the first time. Buy, sell, hold listeners use promo code BSH2020 and get 15% discount on web orders. That's BSH2020. Worldwide shipping is available. Call or visit them now at www.larrystbird.com. And remember, BSH2020 for your 15% discount. Here's another buy, sell, hold special offer. Do you love knowing what the collector car market has done when it comes to values? Of course you do. The Sports Car Market Platinum Auction Database puts 31 years of auction results right at your fingertips, on your mobile device or your computer, no matter where in the world you are. With nearly 300,000 records, that's right, 300,000, it has the information you need to make an informed decision on that oh-so-important classic or vintage vehicle purchase. You'll receive all this for a mere $5.50 a month. That's less than the cost of a sandwich. As a Buy, Sell, Hold podcast listener, use the code PLAT50, that's right, P-L-A-T-50, to get this special discount. Just go to sportscarmarket.com slash platinum50 and the cart will automatically discount your order. Plus, Platinum subscribers also receive access to the full library of back issues of Keith Martin's Insider's Guides, a valuable resource for anyone in the market for collector vehicles. That's sportscarmarket.com slash platinum50. Get your discount today. All right, we are back. So, Keith, take it away. 
So, Cece, today we are going to talk about three vehicles in your life that have been very special for you. One that you bought, one that you sold, and one that you don't think you would ever let go of. Let's start with the year-making model of a vehicle that was very special to you on the buy. Tell us how you became attracted to this vehicle, how you found it, and how you acquired it. So, this one has a great story to go with it. And I'll preface this by saying that I I listened to one of your previous podcasts and I remember at one point you saying that you had sold one of your cars because your time making memories with it was over. It really set the tone for me for all of these, so buy, sell and hold, because I realized that in all three cases, what really made these these cars come alive is the stories that go with them. And each of them has a quite sort of fascinating, interesting story to go with it. So the first one, the buy. So In November, I bought a 1934 MGPA. And now I'd been hankering for a pre-war car for a while because I've I've never owned a pre-war car before this. And then last year in, uh, actually, no, sorry, in 2018, I had my first experience ever driving a pre-war car. So a friend let me drive their um, three-liter Bentley. And uh, I got in the car and I had never, I had no experience with doubly clutching properly up and down all the gears. And and I sort of thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be really, you know, just gotten out of my Dino, which is one of my cars, a dog leg gearbox. And I had left hand drive and I hop into this right hand drive pre-war car. I'd never done this before. And the person who was, who was teaching me how to do it said, I can't believe it. You you had it on the first go. You didn't crunch a single gear. So I was quite, <laughs> I was nice. quite proud of myself. And um, and I just found the whole experience just, you know, amazing because it's the, you know, you have so many more things to think about. And I actually quite like that challenge, you know, of, of, of driving this machinery like that. So I was quite fascinated and I was hell bent on getting um, a pre-war car. And, uh, and then uh, around October last year, a dear friend of uh, mine and my family's, Rafa Puecha, who's based in Spain, said, well, you know, we were selling this 1934 MGPA, which has been in the family for years. And, uh, and you know, and I think it's a really lovely little thing. And I just thought to myself, great, you know, I can buy myself my own little pre-war car. And it's not quite a Bentley, but, you know. And so I went to pick up this car. And what happened next is where the fascinating story really lies. So I, I go to Madrid to to pick to have a look at this MGPA, drive it and, and pick it up. And whilst I'm um, on the airplane um, about to land, I think to myself, who do I know in Madrid that I could you know send a message to and meet up with and have a drink with? And so I, I send a, a message to a group of friends. And I know that through mutual friends in this WhatsApp group, there's a few people based in Madrid. And I go, well, why not? And, uh, and I get a message back from one of them. And he says, uh, I've never met you before, but I see that your profile picture on WhatsApp is a 250F. So I think you should you should give a go at meeting my friend Emilio, who's based out in Madrid, and you'd really like him. And I you know think to myself, Gosh, am I really going to text a stranger based off the picture <laughs> sure. on my on my WhatsApp just because he's a petrol head? And then I thought, well, why not? Yeah. So I text the video who says to me, oh, well, you know, I I, um, I work at a, at a place called um, the Motor and Sport Institute. We're based right outside Madrid. And actually, we're right around the corner from Rapapuche. We're literally the next block around from where you're going to go see your MGPA. So why don't you stop by and and we'll meet? And so off I go and I go see the MGPA and I think it's lovely. I drive it around. Um, you know, I, I say to Rafa, yes, I want it. And uh, and then his brother Ignacio drives me over to 
this Murder and Sport Institute. Um, and I arrive, and, and it just so happens that the owner of this institute, a man named, named Theo Hunt, I think, I believe, has known the, the Pueches for years and years and years. And one of their brothers was actually the person that pointed out the place that their building is in to buy it. So there's already a connection there. And so I go in, I meet, meet Emilio, and he goes, hello, you know, my name is Emilio de Villota, de Villota Jr., and uh, Emilio de Villota Jr. was a name that embarrassingly meant nothing to me then. Um, and, you know, he started telling me uh, the story of why he was involved and, and what this place was. And the place is incredible. It's like it's like a mini McLaren, um, you know, like a like actually quite, quite impressive place um, with, you know, sort of uh, all these manufacturing capabilities and, and uh, you know, CNC machines and, and tube bending stuff and, and eSports stations. And it's all it's all meant to be a place to give uh, automotive engineering students at the universities in Madrid, in Madrid an opportunity to learn hands-on about motorsport. So, uh, <laughs> which is a fantastic place. And it's, it's actually quite, you know, it's a, it's a really sophisticated place that I didn't expect to see in Madrid. But the best bit of the story comes in the fact that Emilio then tells me, well, you know, I, I got involved with cars because my father was, was a Formula, Formula One driver. I said, oh, oh, goodness. OK, he's like in the 70s. And, and you know, I didn't know this and so on. Um, and a little bit later, we're coming out of an elevator towards the end of my visit. And he says, how come you got involved with cars? And I said, well, you know, I come from a, a family of car lovers, my father. And I said, my godfather owns a racing team. And I said, you might you might have heard of him before. His uh, his name is Giuseppe Risi. And he stops for a second and goes slightly quiet. And then we come out of the lift and he says, Giuseppe Risi was the person that got my father involved in motorsports to begin with. Wow. And so I cannot possibly believe this. I, I, I kind of look at him and I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, my father met Giuseppe in Spain in the 70s, I think in 1972, early 70s. And they traveled together to England to um, to buy a car because my father, he was he was in finance at the time. He wasn't even a, a racing driver, but he wanted to learn how to be. He wanted to get into it. And uh and apparently the story goes, and I'm sorry the story is going on for such a long time, but the, the story goes that, that they went to get a car to buy a McLaren and this car had already been sold. So they went back to the airport, they opened a copy of a magazine, and in the back of it they see uh, an advert for a car called the Link Car. And it, it happened to be not very far from the airport, so they went and saw this car. The car was in bits and pieces. There was an engine on a hay bale and a chassis in the barn. And, and they decided, why not? Let's buy it and, and start a team. And the team consisted of Giuseppe, Emilio de Villota, his brother, his wife, and I think that's about it. And from then on, they went to they went on to have a history together in in in, in Formula One. So I, I I had no idea this this story came to me. I just sat there and thought, I've come to buy this this you know pre war my first pre war car in Madrid. Have ended up in a place with a stranger <laughs> I've never met before, wow. and it started racing with my godfather. So that's there you go. incredible. Holy a small world the car world is, but I think. Keith, you can probably uh, agree with me here. It's funny how cars just kind of bring people together and you never know who you're going to meet, right? Well, we we all are attracted to cars, so we have that commonality before we even meet. And so it, it's not unusual that when you come to a car and come to a person that you find out you have threads that connect that that really span decades and continents. Cece, tell us what happened with this car. You bought it. You brought it to your collection. What have you done with it? So it actually arrived 
right before the lockdown happened. So I have actually not done very much with it yet, but I am taking it to its first concours. I'm taking it to Hampton Court concours in September. Mm. I've driven it around a bit in the Cotswolds. Um, it, it, is, it is a very narrow car. So I took my dad for a drive in it and in February, right before the lockdown happened. Um, and I spent most of the time elbowing him to move over because it was <laughs> quite enough room for the two of us and it's very interesting because you know with pre-war cars everything is weird and wonderful and different so the gears are all in a funny order and uh and you know and and the starter buttons on the firewall and it's a completely different experience than anything else i've driven before so it's it's i'm i'm delighted to have bought the car and i hope i can make many new memories with it coming going forward sounds like a wonderful new part of your life you mentioned earlier that that with a pre-war car or with a Bentley that you're busy, and I would expect this car was it an 848 cc engine? Do you know? Yes, it is. It okay. is. And so <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't have quite the power of your Dino. <laughs> Not quite. No, it's I think what they call uh, here in England a wafter. <laughs> Just a bit. Just a bit. Well, let's move forward to a vehicle that you've owned, that you've sold, the sold part of buy, sell, hold. What was that vehicle? What was the decision to let it go? Was it difficult and do you wish you had it back? All right. Here I have to make an admission. When Keith asked me to come on this show with you guys, I said to him, there's one problem, Keith, because I have only ever bought cars and I've never sold one. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> from day cars because I don't have very many. So I'm instead going to tell you about a sale that I was close to, which was not my own, which was a sale my father made. Okay. So, and this has another long story with it, but I promise I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. So my, my father uh, in 1979 bought a left-hand drive shovel base, a steel-bodied shovel base. And he owned this car for many years. He uh, made many memories with it. Um, he took it to shows, uh, he did rallies with it. He very, very proudly was won the support race ahead of the Mexican Grand Prix in, I think, 1985. And it was his pride and joy and his baby and, and the best thing in his world. Mm -hmm. And in 2006, he decided to finally sell this car. And the decision to sell the car was very much along the same vein of, you know, I've my time making memories with this car has ended and it's time to move on to something else. And the two cars that my dad said, he purchased two cars with the sale of, of the Shoho base. And he purchased um, a so 250 GT Europa, a 359 GT, um, which was which had belonged to Princess Liliana Retti and 0293 AL, which is a 375 America, which was a Paris show car in the day, which is blue, baby blue and white. And he always says to me that these two cars that he bought with the sale of his precious Shoho base have allowed him to meet new people, to see new places. And he says they've been passports to experiences for him. Um, and hence a, a really, a really lovely thing and a, and a good reason to have sold what I always say to him. But why did you sell this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would have never sold it. Um, and there's a piece with this particular Shoho based, which to me is personally very special because this car, so 2265, uh, was a car that my dear friend David Saustad, who's a fellow uh, judge at Pebble Beach um, and you also know, he had tried to buy this car in 1972. And I have a letter he has sent me from the dealer, I believe, in Illinois, or was it? No, he was in Canada. I'm sorry. He was in, no, no. The dealer was in Illinois, where he tells David that 
he will not sell him the shohu base because he a- has asked too many questions of too technical in nature in oh, his inquiry. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And for those you know david we know the font of information he is and it'll make a lot of you chuckle when i say that yeah so the fact that he did not sell this car to david this car then went to my father and after many years of owning it we took the car to pebble beach and david judged it and it won its class at pebble beach and i have photos of you know of me at a lot younger age with, with david walking around the car and looking at all the tools with my father and many years later to, uh, last year, I got invited to um, accompany them at Pebble Beach and to learn from them and, and have my first experience of Pebble Beach judging. And David was my mentor. Wow. So there is a lovely full circle story there, too. So, Cece, let me ask you a question. If you if you if I were to ask you, what's the memory that you have that's the most important, most lasting, most poignant memory of the SWB now that it's gone? What what's what's your thought about it? Oh, my goodness. I mean, probably I remember it as a child um, before it had a color change when it was red. And I have a photo of it as well. I remember sitting on the bonnet of the car in, you know, in the garage outside in Mexico and just, you know, them being taken for a drive in it with my father and the noise and the and the sound of it. It's it's something that, that I won't ever forget. And I think then that particular win at Pebble Beach, lying on the lawn in front of the car on the grass, having had too much champagne, and before I had to be on the other side of the judging, <laughs> I could actually enjoy it. And seeing the joy on my father's face that he'd spent so much time restoring this car and making it what he wanted, and and having that be rewarded with uh, the password. Wonderful memory. Well, yeah. next up, Keith, we're going to talk about a car you'd never let go. Well, you, you said, Cece, that, that you only buy, you don't sell. But of all the cars you have, what would the last car to go be? Oh, this is a really tough one because it's down to two. And I would say the car I would never let go of would be my Dino. I think because I think she is the most beautiful car in the world. And I think she is, I have a friend who says that Dinos are the most fun you can have with no horsepower. And I think (laughs) he's absolutely right. It is the most delightful car. You feel like you're driving something that is, you know, that's got a much bigger engine in it than it does. And I think aesthetically, I, I can't think of a prettier car, to be honest. And maybe it's not just because it's mine. Um, I, so I think I think that. But I did also get asked to sell my. Um, I have a 1955 Triumph TR3, uh, whom I call Froglet because she's <laughs> British racing green, and she was my first classic car. And I don't think I can part with her quite yet. Maybe one day. But um, actually, a um, a dear friend of mine who has one of the nicest car collections in the world was hankering after a Triumph TR3 earlier this year and made me a, an, an offer I couldn't resist. And mm. yet I did. And I didn't sell her. What year is that Dino, Cece? Oh, the Dino 74. She's wired at the end of the line. So she's a GTS and she's right towards the end. Nice. Yeah. Beautiful. She's US spec and she's got um, chairs, no flares, which actually suits me quite well because I don't really like um, I don't like the Campagnolo and the flared arches very much, but I love the Daytona seats. No doubt. That's the first Ferrari I ever drove way back when I was 16 years old. I had a detailing business and a client of mine had one that actually was originally owned by Cher. 
It had a little oh. uh, plaque on the dash saying this Dino was built by Enzo Ferrari for Cher. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I've always wondered whatever happened to that car. This was long ago, of course. But yes, I love the way you described that. The most fun you can have with little horsepower. But I felt like a king driving that thing when I was 16, 17 years old, Absolutely. for sure. But I agree with you. I'm not a big fan of the flares, but I love the chairs. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely yeah. marvelous. <laughs> Keith, Any before we take a short break here, any other questions for Cece about this wonderful Dino of hers? No, I, I have the same experience you did, Mark. I drove a, my first Dino, a, a coupe, when I was 17 years old. And mm. I I just remember feeling like I was in a combination of a P3, a P4, a McLaren <laughs> M8. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you sit down in that car and those unbelievable fenders, the wheel fenders, you look between those as you look down the road. And yeah. it's it's a vision unlike anything else you'll have in a road car. Yes. Ah, ah, wonderful. I can't wait to get over there and you can take me for a ride in that thing, Cece. Uh, yeah. that, that sounds like fun. Well, we're, when we come back here from another short break with some wonderful offers we have from Sports Car Market, Keith is going to talk to Cece about what she might consider be the perfect all-around car. So again, keep your seatbelt on and we'll be right back. Hey, Mark Green here. If you love the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast, you'll want to listen to my Cars Yeah podcast for over five years I've interviewed over 1,475 inspiring automotive enthusiasts. You'll have free access to my guest shows five days a week. These are amazing people who share their world around cars, trucks, and motorcycles. I take a deep dive into their businesses, and they share with you how they've wrapped their passion for vehicles into their lives. Plus, go to the CarsYeah.com website and hit the free book button, and I'll email you my free filler-up book. It's an ebook filled with beautiful fuel filler fun and inspiring quotes from my past guests. Once subscribed, you'll get my weekly blog as well. You can find all the Cars yeah shows on CarsYeah.com or on any mobile device using your podcast app. Just search for Cars yeah Podcast and subscribe today. That way you'll get both Buy, Sell, Hold with Keith and me and the Cars yeah Podcast delivered right to your mobile device or your computer. Thanks for listening. I've been subscribing to Sports Car Market Magazine for decades, and it shows up like clockwork in my mailbox every month. But what about when I'm on the road? Did you know that digital subscriptions to Sports Car Market are just $2.50 a month when you sign up with the promo code DIGITAL50? That's less than a cup of coffee. You get 50% off regular price just for listening here to Buy, Sell, Hold. Plus, digital subscribers receive instant access to a year's worth of back issues and the exclusive Insider's Guide, including the 2020 Insider's Guide to the beautiful Amelia Island Concourse and all the spring auctions as well. No more boredom while sitting at the airport or on your flight. To get your Sports Car Market digital subscription at this discount, go to sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. Your order will automatically get you the 50% off. What a deal. Go and sign up today at sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. Are you thinking of buying a car at an online auction, but worried about how to make a good decision? I'm Keith Martin from Sports Car Market, and I'm here to tell you about an exciting new product we've developed to help you be a smarter collector. The SCM Guide to Buying Online is an immediate digital download. It includes five questions to always ask and why. Also, how to protect yourself while buying online from our Legal Files columnist, John Dranius, and our auction editors walk you through what you can and can't learn from a photo. 
Visit www.sportscarmarket.com slash buying online to purchase your copy today. It's an immediate digital download and it's only $10. Again, that's www.sportscarmarket.com slash buying online and get ready to be a smarter collector. Okay, so Cece, I'm going to ask you about to pick a car if you had just one car that was your all-around collector car, not the most expensive, not the most exclusive, not the most fantastic, but the car where no matter what the event was, you'd think, that's the perfect car for today, and I can hardly wait to get behind the wheel. What car would that be? Oh, that's such a hard question. I have several. and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know that my heart is 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 all, all Ferrari. Um and I know that they're not particularly affordable, but if money were no object, I would say that would be for me a Cab Series one or a Cal Spider because I think they are just the most stunning cars, and I can't imagine going to any show and not and not being the center of attention. And you know, fantastic to drive in and and in the wind and in the sun. And um, in terms of slightly more. Well, and there's another one, actually. I think a 275 GTB, I think, is also a car that, that could never could never look bad. It's lovely. I've done a rally in Japan in one um, in the middle of a typhoon, and it's delightful to drive. So that would be another one. And if I'm honest, if I'm going more affordable, I think a Dino, even though I'm biased because I own one, I really think, again, it's a car that, that you can do so much with, doesn't break down quite so much, and it is... I think a a timeless design. I think it's the kind of car that that few people can ever find not beautiful. Well, and of course, our good friend uh, David Gooding just uh, set a record here: most expensive car ever sold online at two seventy five. Uh, I know, not oh, too long, yeah, not too long ago. Three, what was that? So what did that sell for, Keith? Just a little, little over three million dollars, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, three point two, quite incredible. And having never seen the car in the flesh. I think it will change a lot how, how we start perceiving the buying and selling of cars. That's a very nice segue to Keith's next question, which is going to be about how the current market and what's going on in the world has affected you. So, uh, Keith, you're on. Yeah, Casey. So, you know, we, you, as you said, we're in a time of change. Uh, at the same time, uh, because of the, uh, the Internet and the increased connectivity, we are more aware of cars that are offered than we have ever been before. At the the current time, do you think it's a good time to be looking for a car to buy? Or do you think it's a good time to be looking for a car to sell? It's an interesting question. From what I hear, I'm I'm not a car dealer. And I'm not really, you know, not that well versed. And I'm not uh, well qualified to answer the question. But I get the sense from the little bit that I see that it's a time to buy. I've seen a few examples of things that where the price is starting to correct, perhaps waiting a little bit longer. But A, I think the recession that we will see in many countries hasn't quite hit yet. And probably I see I think there will be a little bit more contraction would be my would be my guess. So probably time to buy. Is there anything that you are kind of keeping an eye open? The famous phrase is well, you know, Cece, I'm not really looking, but if the right Dino crosses your path, will you drop me an email? <laughs> <laughs> what have I been looking for? I've always hankered after an MGA, and and I actually am still, I still have, 
So I'm looking for a race car, in fact, and I can't make up my mind what I want. I was looking for a race car quite actively for some time. And in that sense, I was looking at things like MGBs, Austin Healey 3000s. Um, and I had lots of opinions that, that sort of threw me from every direction. and I didn't really know where to start. And then to be very honest, I think you have to have so much time to do it properly, which I don't at the moment running my business. So I kind of put that to the side. Um, but I'm still looking for something of that sort. And I think I'm also not quite done with pre-war. I think I'd really like to own something else. And, and I'm starting to get the Bentley bug, too. <laughs> the Bentley bug. Yeah, there we go. Well, you know, what I found, CC, is that when it's the right time, the car will find you. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. CC, um, this new business, if you, you kind of describe to our listeners, I find it fascinating what you're doing right now with very Vien. Tell us a little bit about what led you into this and what it's all about. Sure. So um, so my background is in, as you pointed out in the beginning, in experimental physics. Um, and I did a PhD in Oxford in which um, I built an experiment to demonstrate some of the basic building blocks of quantum computing, which is um, a hot new field in physics. And, uh, and after I finished my PhD, having experience with optics and lasers and electronics and things like that, I took a job in Switzerland at an instrumentation company. And we were making... Um, basically light-based instruments called spectrometers. And, uh, and you know, we were looking at very different things. We were looking at um, viscosity of paints and creams and cosmetics and pharmaceuticals. But at some point, it came, the thought came into my mind that, you know, nobody tested wine and spirits in this way. So there's, there's loads of problems with quality control and counterfeiting in the wine and spirits industry. And nobody does sort of proper non-invasive spectroscopy so testing with light of of wine and that's kind of how the idea was born I, I had run the wine club at Oxford when I was doing my PhD um, and had been captain of the blind tasting team because such a thing does happen so competitive <laughs> blind tasting um, and it was sort of made, you know came from my passion for wine um, and then the idea developed from you know a, a business case needing a, a, a physics problem to solve because it's actually a very challenging question to a more general physics problem and a huge amount of R&D. Um, and finally, you know, uh, many years later, we have solved that physics problem, done a lot of R&D, and now we realize that this is a much more general problem that has uh, more business cases to find. So the idea is we basically, we look through a container wall and we analyze the liquid inside of a sealed container, and we can tell you things about its evolution, its state, its uh, provenance. So it's essentially wow. doing anti-counterfeiting, quality control, um, batch testing, and, you know, basically a, a qualification of what's inside. Um, and, and that applies to things like, obviously, wine, spirits. So anytime that you have something that's either high value and you don't want to open it, or you don't want to open 2,000 of one thing because you no longer have your 2,000 products. So other things like olive oil, honey, um, we're even looking into, so we have a company that's asked us to look into injectables, syringes, which are also a sealed container, blood transfusion bags, you know, so we've got loads of side projects, but our main business case to begin with is in wine and spirits. Very fascinating. Wonderful. Well, Cece, you've taken us on a wonderful ride today. I've been looking forward to this journey with you. You're a treasure trove of knowledge, and I want to thank you for sharing your insights. If you were to give our listeners one little parting piece of advice when it comes to buying, probably not mm. to selling because you don't do that, but <laughs> holding collector cars, what would that be? Buy what you love. Um, never worry about the price fluctuating up and down. If you're doing it as an investment, 
that's you know there's there's of course there's other things to invest in and 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 cars are a good investment but i'd say really if you're going to buy a classic car buy it because you're going to use it and because you're going to love it um and as dear ed gilbertson of um icy jag fame and pebble beach fame says uh, cars are meant to be driven and motorcycles are meant to be ridden so buy a car you're going to drive of course. Yeah, he's a great, he's a past guest here on Buy, So Hold. You listeners can go back if you missed our talk with him. Uh, he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, definitely a guy who's been around and ridden a lot of bikes and driven a lot of cars. What's the best way for people to keep up with you and learn more about what you're doing in the world? Well, you can find us at www.veravin.com is the website for our company. And you can find me on Instagram at Casey Muldoon, on Twitter, uh, although I don't really use Twitter very much, or on Facebook, LinkedIn. So any any of those places, um, you can find me there. Absolutely. I'll make sure to put links to all those on CC's show notes page. You can find that on the Sports Car Market website and the Cars yeah website. Veravin, V-E-R-I-V-I-N is the spelling of that company. Absolutely fantastic. You can find everything on her show notes page. Cece, hey, thanks for being so generous today with your time and sharing uh, your life with us. This has been a delight. I really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Absolutely. I'm so honored that you had me on here, especially given your list of past guests. Thanks so much, Mark. You're welcome. Well, thank you, Cece. It's been, it's been great to actually hear your voice. Yes, and thank you, Keith. Um, and hopefully talk to you very soon again on IC Jack. Yeah. I hope we we all spend some time on a lawn somewhere soon. So stay healthy and stay well, everybody. Thank you. Bye. This completes our first season for Buy, Sell, Hold. We'd like to thank all of the listeners and the participants for sharing their information with us about their passion for collector cars. If you have any questions about the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast and would like to be kept notified of our future plans, please email me directly at keith.martin at sportscarmarket.com. There you go. And Keith, I want to say this has been absolutely wonderful to be producing these shows with you. Uh, It's been great fun. And I want to thank our guests, the past 28 guests, who've been so gracious to give us their time and share their stories. It's been a delight. And also a really big thank you to listeners who've given us your time to enjoy these 28 shows. You rest assured that you can still find shows on the Cars Yeah podcast five days a week. I'll still be there producing those shows. You can find me there. We're going to keep all these shows up on both of our websites, so you can find them on the Sports Car Market website and the Cars Yeah website to enjoy and share with all your friends. Thank you so much for being here on Buy, Sell, Hold. Keith, this has been great. Great for me as well, Mark. I've enjoyed working with you. Till we talk next time, we'll see you down the road. We hope you have shed some light today on the collector car market. You can listen to all the Buy, Sell, Hold podcasts at sportscarmarket.com and carsyeah.com. You'll find hundreds of inspiring automotive enthusiasts on the Cars Yeah website as well. Be sure to log into sportscarmarket.com and subscribe to Keith's SCM weekly newsletter. You'll find digital issues, insider event guides, and price guides, along with our platinum database, column profiles, classifieds, and many other resources. Join Keith and Mark next week to hear from another automotive industry leader who will help you determine when to buy, sell, or hold.